Hey everyone, this is Coach Mark Nolan, and welcome back for another episode of Don't Outkick Your Coverage and our company, thekickerzone.com. At Don't Outkick Your Coverage, we are the only podcast dedicated to the high school athlete and their parents who may not have a full understanding of the issues facing them today with the recent NCAA changes and my background of having trained thousands of high school athletes and their parents the past 48 years in a college athletic scholarship hunt. I cover many of these issues in my number one best-selling book, College Athletic Scholarships, The Path to Recruiting Success in the New Age of NIL, the Transfer Portal, and Post-COVID Scholarships, which can be found on Amazon and over 20 other outlets. I hope everyone listening will purchase a copy, which will help us continue to grow our brand. Lastly, we had two amazing guests recently on our podcast, both having huge impacts, so hopefully You'll take a listen to them and others we have done. And for today's podcast, we want to welcome another awesome guest, Mr. Chris Saylor, the owner of Chris Saylor Kicking, who I've known for many, many years. Chris, welcome to Don't Outkick Your Coverage podcast. Thanks for having me, Mark. Uh, looking forward hey. to the conversation. Yeah, you're welcome. And please, uh, when we're done with this, I'll share this with uh, all our crowd. So, you know what, well, Chris, one of the things I want to do when I uh, talk to guests like yourself is I really want to get them to focus on why they started their journey, whatever the journey it is, or what made you have that aha moment. So why did you start Chris Saylor kicking? Um, coming from a soccer background, I uh, came into kicking very late in my high school career. Uh, it was always going to be soccer for me in college, and uh, it happened to stumble upon it as a senior had a great senior year, and really, um, you know, there was it was limited to almost zero attention for kickers at that point in time. Uh, I was very fortunate to put 22 field goals through the post as a senior, so that gained me some national attention, and um, in the end, uh, fortunately, a few scholarship opportunities. Um, and then throughout my college career, really, um, I realized, hey, there's not much coaching for kickers. Um, there's not much that's, that's really out there for us to be able to kind of perfect our own craft and move on to the next level. Um, so as I, as I finished up my career, um, my coach at Notre Dame high school, Kevin Rooney, um, called me out and ca called me up and said, Hey, Chris, I have this kid over here. His name's Nick Folk, um, at Notre Dame is really good. Um, I don't know how to coach him. Can you help me out? And really when I, when I started coaching Nick, I said, Nick, man, you, you remind me a lot of myself and. And, uh, you know, what are your goals? He said, I want to play college in soccer. And I said, hey, listen, um, you're going to be a kicker. You're, you're a hell of a player, and I want to help you. And, you know, kind of the same thing. At that point in time, uh, kickers were not getting scholarships. They were still very yeah. limited. And I just saw a niche for it, man. I said, I, I got to help this kid get a scholarship. And I realized how hard it was to get him attention. And then in the end, he only got the one offer from Arizona. Um, he went there, and, and then at that point in time, I realized, hey, it's something I want to do. Um, I want to get more involved in this and create a platform for kickers, first of all, to get coached and then yeah. and then also to get recruited, you know, get kicker scholarships. And that's really how it all began uh, back in 99, back in 1999. Yeah. Well, I mean, so you were you went to UCLA. Uh, now, did you walk on at UCLA or did you get a full scholarship there? I got a full scholarship. So I was very, okay. fortunate, I was very fortunate to to have that opportunity. Yes. Okay. And you, you attributed that really, do you attribute it to the, uh, to the relationship you, you had built uh, with the people at UCLA or what do you, what was the background about that? You know, they, did they have a camp back then for you to go to or how did that happen? 
I mean, honestly, it was just because I put up 22 field goals. I mean, it was unheard of to even get attempts back then, right? Yeah. Um, and, to be honest, right. And, to be, and to be honest, I mean, I was using a two-inch block as a senior. There you go. You know, in, in this day and age, it's, it's, it's unheard of. Um, but yeah. because, I had, because I had 22 field goals, uh, seven of those were over 50 yards. Um, nice. I got, I got attention. You know, I got attention locally. Um, no, there weren't kicking camps. There wasn't an opportunity to show for them. But um, I built a relationship with Coach Bernardi, who was a special teams coach at the time. Um, and then, of course, the head coach there was Terry Donahue, who was also mm-hmm. a Notre Dame High School alumnus. Yep. So um, I went to the school that, that he, he graduated from. And, um, you know, they brought me out there and said, hey, we need a guy to come in here. And, and although we don't normally do this, um, we feel like you're a scholarship level player. And, and really, um, that was, you know, pretty awesome to hear, um, having, you know, knowing not much really about kicking at all. Um, and then because UCLA kind of came on board, I, I ended up picking up offers from both Stanford and Cal as well. Um, and ended up opting to stay close to home. But it was really just because I put up 22 field goals. I mean, the, the numbers were, ga- were gaudy at the time. And I was lucky because I, I really wasn't that good. You know what I mean? I was I was strong. Um, I had really no technique. And I really didn't learn how to kick till I actually got into college. And I was self-taught even at that point. Yeah. Okay. And that's, you know, it, it's very similar. You know, I when I got my, uh, when I got to go to Notre Dame, you know, I had my offer at Notre Dame. It's very similar. You know, we, we didn't have a lot of scholarships back then. And at Notre Dame, uh, we didn't really have soccer as it was a club sport back then, right? So my opportunity was either to kick or be a club guy or just, you know, go to Notre Dame and try to study my rear end off to, to make it. Um, right. But, you know, in your, in your journey, uh, I think this is probably still true, Chris. You were the last All-American in both kicking and punting, right, uh, for college? I believe so. I mean, I'm not, I didn't fact check it, but I, I believe that, that that's the case. And, and I think most of that's because most players, you know, don't do both. Um, they're counted on to, speci- to specialize in one or the other. And I, it, for me, for me at UCLA, it was just out of necessity. Um, there just wasn't other guys that could to do the jobs. Um, so I actually started punting first, even though that wasn't my strength, but there was just a need there. Um, so I got a little better at it. And, um, you know, by the time my, my junior and senior years rolled around, um, I was put in a great position to be able to kind of excel at both and, and uh, you know, fortunate to get All-America honors in, in both positions, which was, which was pretty amazing to help your team like that. Good for you. Uh, and, and so how, how did you get into the business? I know that was, was, was Nick really the one that you said like, hey, man, I, I see a kid who wants to play at the NFL. Did you help him with that journey or did, did, you, did Nick just go and see, for instance, you know, Zahner? Uh, I'm not a big fan of him, but that's okay. But, you know, did he just go yeah. out to Zahner and start doing the kicking camps? Or did you see, did you really say to Nick, hey, I can really mentor you and help you through some of this transition. And is that how you got your business going from that standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's so, so crazy to think that my very first student ends up being Nick Folk and uh, <laughs> my very first student ends up being probably my best of all time. So um, that's really yeah. by, ch- by chance. And, and really that's what, what propelled me into, into wanting to, to create this business. But um, absolutely. I mentored him um, throughout college um, and then through the, uh, the process of, of going pro um, I had already at that point in time built relationships with many college coaches who mm-hmm. then some became pro coaches. And, mm-hmm. you know, back then, again, there wasn't there wasn't as much going on by ways of um, kickers having opportunities to be scouted. So right. um, I, I had personal relationship with with coaches at the NFL level. Uh, word spread pretty quickly. And, you know, ultimately it was about his film and his his combine performances. But um, absolutely, I think that Nick was one of the was one of the, the initial players that that I work with. And then of course, as I began working with, with many high school players nationally, 
Um, it was about uh, being able to get uh, high school players into college. And then really at that point, you know, the rest kind of takes care of itself. If, if you're able to put together a great college career, um, you know, the pro scouts are going to notice and they're going to come to your school and they're going to work you out. Um, of course, there's combines things that are out there, but you know, ultimately it comes down to your performance at that point in time. Correct. Hey, you know, there's only, there's only 32 jobs as we say, right? So, exactly. you know, it's a, it's, it's a tough task to get into. So uh, and on the second piece of the business side of the house, right? Because it is a business. Uh, did you, did you, like when I started doing my one-on-ones, you know, a hundred years ago, you know, to your point, there really, it wasn't really a business. It was, hey, can you help my son out? Or, hey, can you help a young kid out? Or, hey, can you do this? So after you saw your success with Nick, uh, did you say, you know what? This is my aha moment. Now I can really see other other kids that are coming in, you know, through the high school programs at Notre Dame High School. Or did you say, I want to take this locally where I can get five or six kids and then maybe start doing camps with them? How, how did that transition start for you? Yeah, just like you said, I was the same. Um, you know, once I met Nick and word kind of spread a little bit around, you know, through like, let's say a newspaper article at that point in time or something different. And all of a sudden the coaches from a different like local high school would call me and say, hey, can you help my kicker out? Um, you know, okay. that's how you help Nick out. And, and that's kind of how that began. And then really um, it, it, it came, the start of the business really came through with speaking with college coaches. So, mm. you know, here I am working with Nick and then I speak to, for example, at the time, um, a coach named Coach Osborne, who was at uh, Arizona State at the time. And he said, hey, you know, Chris, we need more guys like you doing this. We need an opportunity to be able to scout and evaluate players at a higher level um, mm. because we can't, we, we can't get out there. You know, there wasn't much going on at the time. So and that's mm -hmm. really why I started, you know, my local camps um, first was to kind of build, um, build the business and understand, you know, what it took to coach what it took to run a camp efficiently and organized. Um, and then really in 2003 um, was the very first time about, you know, about three years into doing it where these coaches said, Hey, Chris, we need a national event. We need someplace we can come to, to mm -hmm. see these players all at once where we're not taking a guess, right. Based on film or based on stats, but we're getting a real evaluation in the side-by-side -side type event. Um, and that's why in 2003, I, I started the Las Vegas national event. Um, and, and really, to be honest, in the first year, you know, we brought in about 125 kickers, uh, about 15 long snappers, and we had about 20 to 25 D1 coaches in attendance. Um, and, and really from there, man, it just it spread like wildfire because, you know, we were able to place about seven, eight guys in that very first year on scholarship. Um, and it just took off from there. I mean, Vegas now we're in, we're in you know, we're in 20, 20 plus years of running our Vegas events twice annually per year. Um, and in the very last year where coaches could attend personally before the institute right. rules, when it gets, I mean, right. we had over 80 division one schools and I'm talking head coaches here and teams coaches in attendance at our national events. So, um, I mean, this thing really just took off. Very cool. Did you bring, now did you bring Chris, uh, did you bring Rubio in with you initially or did that, was that, was that just a, uh, something that happened uh, later on Was that a discussion between the both of you guys or how'd that come out? Yeah, it definitely happened later on. Um, so again, I started my company in 2000, uh, you know, officially when I got a business license and started my first camp, et cetera. Um, and then three years later, as I, like I said, I ran that national event in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, I realized that I, you know, I can't have these guys just going out of sticks. I need to bring in long snappers and, and bring in holders and, and make it real football for co for these coaches in attendance to be able to truly evaluate. So I actually ran my own tryout without Rubio. And I just asked the local high schools, I said, listen, I need long snappers 
Um, and really it was just to facilitate my trolls. It wasn't even to right. coach them or anything else. Um, right. And I, then I asked Rubio, who was actually a sixth grade um, teacher at the time. Uh, he's a history teacher. And I said, I hadn't seen him actually in a couple of years. I said, Rubio, um, you know, he was my long snapper at UCLA. And I yeah, said, Rubio, yeah. I, Rubio, I need someone to come out here and, and kind of just, you know, babysit these guys for me and put them in position to help me run my drills. So he came out to Vegas the very first year in 2003. And with those, like I said, 12 to 15 long snappers, and I just said, hey, Rubio, I, I see something here where maybe you can make a business of us as well and we can kind of work together. Um, and then slowly but surely, um, step by step, um, kind of brought him into the fold. And, um, you know, a few years later, Rubio Long Snapping was created um, on its own, on its own business, not just part of Chris Taylor kicking. And his has obviously taken off as well. Good. Good. So here's a, a good question for you. So what what's your favorite part of the job? I know you have one. It's probably like us all getting that kid to get that offer. And then what's probably the least favorite part of your job? My favorite part of the job is definitely getting on the field. Um, you know, you go through so much of the, you know, the office work, the advertising, you know, all the things that aren't really, um, you know, teaching how to kick and, and working with young men. Um, so it's 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 when the when the camps finally come together and you're on the field um, and you're able to to reach kids um, go through teaching them technique um, and also just you know starting that mentorship program process with them um, you know co coming face to face with them and, and seeing improvements right you see them gain the experience you see them compete you see them have fun um, by all means it's, it's definitely getting on the field with them after all of the um, the pre camp work is done um, my least favorite part really is the fact that people now believe they come to camp just for a ranking. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of dealing with both the players and their parents and, and trying to get them to calm down and, and take the pressure off themselves and, and really enjoy the process. So, um, you know, again, initially got into this because I enjoyed teaching. I enjoyed working with kids. I enjoyed seeing the progress. I enjoyed helping them, mentoring them and, and helping getting them into college, right? Achieving their goals. Um, and, and now in this day and age, although it's, it's a great thing that we're getting the exposure, it's a great thing they're getting kind of talking parents off the cliff and that it's not just about that you know that, that will come <laughs> but it, it's dealing with the the pressure of you know their ranking really and again necessary evil we have to do it um, but it's not the end-all be-all you know I always say that, that the reality is that that ranking goes out the window um, you know once you get into college it's we have to have it to get you guys exposure but ultimately don't don't put that all on yourself just to, to make it all about the ranking it's about getting better enjoying the process um, and then hopefully getting a chance to play in college. So really, that's my least favorite part is, is dealing with the rankings and, and parents and, um, you know, relaying the fact that this is an honest evaluation. It's nothing personal against them. I'm just trying to help them find the right fit for them so they're not going someplace that they're going to be happy. Right, right. It's good. So it, what what is the one idea uh, that experts in your field say that you disagree with, you know, in the recruitings and rankings issues? And, and I'm sure – you know, with both your sons playing soccer, you have some thoughts on their journey, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the when you see a player, you see an athlete, um, and you're trying to evaluate them, um, you know, you can obviously look at stats. And, and field goal stats, to be honest with you, are, are can be very deceiving. Um, you know, even in a high school season, right? Um, you know, are you using a block? What conditions right. are you in? Um, you know, what's the flight of the football? Um, what are the distances of those kicks made? You know, all those things are, are very hard to just take stats and evaluate. So, you know, I don't look at a chart from a camp on how many field goals are made. Um, I look at 
the, the, the whole the whole body of work, right? You know, I watch them start to finish in a camp and really evaluate, you know, what is their technique? Um, what tee are they using? What is the ball flight? I mean, all those things. So I think that one of the hardest things to evaluate across the board between us and other experts would be really, I'd say, field goal evaluation. I think kickoff stats are a little bit more true, you know, height, distance, mm-hmm. you can kind of see it in the stats. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say really evaluating a player, not just based on stats when it comes to field goal, but based on, you know, kind of the whole picture. And that's why a lot of times like, we have disagreements and, you know, here's a guy that we had that may, may have gone one of two in his junior year. You know, I have him ranked number one in the country. Um, reason being is he plays at a high school that never attempts kicks. He plays at a Correct. high school that plays at a high school that uh, coach pays no attention to it, um, and so he doesn't get the opportunity. There's no snapper. There's no holder. There's no um, time or effort put into um, special teams. So, I mean, look at this year. My number one guy in the country in the 2024 class is Kyle Lemmerman. Um, he didn't even start last year. And, you know, here he is with with three major offers and he's getting more of them daily. Um, and other parents say, well, that's not fair. He didn't even start for his high school. And I say, <laughs> have you ever have you ever seen him? Have you ever watched him kick? Um, he happened to be behind another guy that got a scholarship. And, and this happens all the time. So it's not just about the stats. It's about giving kids an opportunity to show what they can do, um, whether they play the biggest school in, in Texas, Florida or California or Georgia, or they're playing at the small school in, in South Dakota or, or Minnesota or you know, Hawaii, um, and that it's kind of giving all the kids an opportunity to show what they can do. And then, you know, believing in our overall evaluations, knowing what they can do from our experience. That's great. Great point. You know, it's, it's true because, you know, I, I don't know if you remember Colin Barber. Colin was, you know, I, I helped him and Jimmy Hutchison, right, get to number one, right. uh, you know, in their class. And the kid behind Colin, you actually met one time, uh, Alec Durbano. At a camp, and his dad's like, you know, he's like, doesn't have any scholarship offers. I said, you know, the easiest way to say that is like, your son was punting behind the number one punter in the country. I mean, so to your point, Chris, he didn't start, you know, Limerman didn't start last year, but look at what he's doing right now this year and look at the offers he has. So I think parents, to your point, they have to, they have to dial themselves back and relax a little bit with that, with that journey, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's and, all, and, it's and all. the same thing, with our own son, our same thing, with our own son, you, you know, from the ranking standpoint, you know, he, he, I think, you know, I'll, I'll throw a little kudos out to our son. I think he was the only punter ever to be named all American first team, all American by you and Jamie Coles. So that was cool, but I want to focus on you as not, not so much my son. Uh, you know, there are other kicking, punting and long snapping companies, right? So do you agree or disagree to have a specialist just stay with your company throughout uh, their journey or try others along the way? Um, I mean, it can go either way on this one. I mean, I, I definitely believe that a spe- if a specialist was with my company from day one to, to the end, um, mm-hmm. they, would get, they would get all that they needed from us. Um, yeah. H- however, you know, going out and getting experience, I would say it's kind of like going out and trying on your favorite shoes, right? Try on some Nikes, you try on some Adidas, you try on some Pumas. Um, and in the end, you find what's right for you, and then ultimately you kind of stick with it, right? Right. Um, it kind of kind of works for you. So, you know, I encourage our our athletes to go out and try um, other companies. I have no problem with it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if they feel like they connect with someone else better than they connect with with us and our staff, I totally understand. Um, but of course, we believe in what we do, and we believe in our staff. And and um, I think that one of the biggest things that that I see with us is we have a very high rate of retention. Uh, once a player mm-hmm. comes to one of our camps, we seem to get them back. You know, almost 90% of the time to an additional camp or with additional right. work with, with our staff. Um, and honestly, the more exposure you get, it can't hurt. 
So, you know, if someone else is out there that wants to help um, these athletes reach out to coaches and or get opportunities to, um, you know, they, they may know a different coach than I know. And all of a sudden that leads to them getting an opportunity. Um, I have no problem with that whatsoever. I totally understand right. that that's out there. Um, however, um, you know, financially, it, it's very difficult to do that. It's very difficult to, you know, go out and go to 15, 16, 17 different companies, different camps. And if you spread yourself too thin, um, those coaches will never get to really know you and will never get to really understand um, what you're cap capable of doing. So yeah. by knowing one coach and that coach really believing in you, um, we know when I speak to a college coach and I say, hey, listen, I've known so-and-so since freshman year. I've seen Correct. his development. Yep. <laughs> I've seen him sophomore year. I've seen him junior year. I know the family. I, I understand everything about the kid. That coach goes, man, I, I really believe in that evaluation, right? If I see a mm -hmm. kid once, say, hey, he was great. He had a great day with us. But I really don't know much more about him. Um, recruiting is not just about the ability to kick. It's about the whole picture, right? Um, it's about the person. It's about the character. Um, it's about consistency. It's about the family. I mean, all this stuff is really important. So spreading yourself too thin can definitely be, in, be a problem. Um, but I think that um, getting exposure is important. Um, and I definitely believe that our company can give that from day one. However, if they want to go out and try other things, uh, we feel like in the end they're going to come back to us anyway. Um, just because we do have a relationship with every with it, with every coach in America, and I know that we can always reach out for them on on their behalf. Um, but of course, it comes down to their abilities, and and we want to be honest with them from 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 start to finish. So um, yeah. that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, that's a great answer, and you know, it it, it just ties into my next question. But you know, I think you know, I think this is how I look at it as as a dad of a you know of a D one punter, right, and all the things that he went through is that you have to make it you know, the kids' decisions. I, I, I think so many times, Chris, and hopefully you agree with this, so many times the parents get too involved in that decision-making process of what, you know, a kid wants to do. Like, you know, say he has a bad day getting ranked at a camp and they're like, oh, I'm just going to go to, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to Coles or I'm going to see so-and-so or I'm going to go so-and-so. And I think, does that sometimes, do you ever evaluate that with the parents saying, hey, listen, the reason why your son is now ranked 15th with me where he was ranked fifth is that I haven't seen him in a year. I right. can't, I can't, I can't rank. It's not going to, I want to keep him ranked fifth if I haven't seen him. And I don't know what his you know character has changed or situation has changed, but there is that dichotomy. I think sometimes Chris, where you got, you rank a kid as a five star uh, who's ranked fifth. And let's say Coles has him ranked 105. Well, right. there's, <laughs> There's a difference why you guys had those things ranked differently, right? And probably because, to your point, either he's been in your camp system enough and he's, and he's been uh, with you guys throughout the last three or four years and you've been able to see that development uh, with him where he went to one Coles camp and you're like, okay, well, that's great, but, you know, I, I, can't, I can't effectively evaluate him over the next two years if I don't see him for two years. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, you're definitely only as good as your most recent performance, right? So, I mean, the, the reality is, is that, you know, and I talk to coaches all the time and they say, hey, listen, I have, I'm recruiting so-and-so, but I see you only have him ranked as a four-star player. You know, why? And I say, if you notice in our evaluation, it says I haven't seen him since his freshman year. Um, you know, and I, again, I, I can only rank what I know. So I'm not saying he's not good now. I just, I just haven't seen him. So, right. you know, and that's why the rankings are always 100% accurate. Um, however, the top of the rankings are, like you said, the players that we've seen and we really believe and trust in. Um, we have full confidence in, in, in recommending them to, to college coaches. 
Um, and then back to your initial point, you know, you said it talked about, you know, that it be parent driven or child driven. Um, by all means, the, the player has to feel comfortable with where he's at. Um, you want to feel like you're getting better when you go someplace. And again, it's not about the ranking, but it's about the experience, right? Did I get better being out here today? Or was I just standing around watching other players and shagging footballs? You know, what was I right. doing out here to get better today? Um, and right. that's really where, you know, at our camps, we really focus on keeping the kids active, keeping them busy, um, having them constantly learning something. Um, it's not just about getting in line and charting out 10 balls because um, you're not getting better doing that. Um, of course, yeah. there's, there's some competition there and the charts do count. But, you know, what's what's the entire what, what's the entirety of the experience? What's the whole experience? But like you mentioned, also, you know, I get a bad rank. I want to run someplace else. Um, that's not really helping you. That's not really what this is all about. Um, continue to work, continue to get better, continue to improve and, and show coaches, you know, including myself and, and college coaches, really what you can do. Um, and even in a bad, even if you have a bad day, right, we can still see your leg strength. We can still see your best ball. It's because you didn't win the camp that day or you weren't kind of on your, your absolute best. Um, you know, a coach will always be able to evaluate you as far as what your best ball is, what your best ability is. So, you know, we always tell our kids, if you, if you feel like the ranking isn't what you wanted, um, we're not lying to you. We're telling you what we saw. Always, you can always come back okay. and, and, and prove it different. But I think one of the hardest things in this industry is, you know, we don't want to overrank a kid to get him back to camp. Um, you want to be honest with them. I tell them all the time, you know, if you don't like the ranking, and you want to go someplace else because of that. Um, we're just being honest with you. And you're going to find that down the road when you go to a college camp, you know, if you're not good enough to be there, then, you know, the ranking wasn't accurate. So we want to give you an accurate ranking so that when you do go in front of a college coach, you're actually able to show that you have the ability to kick for that program, to punt for that program. Correct. Um, and I think, I think too many times uh, companies are overrating and overranking players to make them happy to get them back. Yes. But, but, but those evaluations are misleading them to waste their money when they're going to all these D1 programs when they can't sniff the field there. You know, and you know what, and Chris, I, I couldn't agree with you more because the, I know of one kicking guy that that really uh, does that. You know, he's more focused on you know trying to get those kids to come back for the ranking standpoint, uh, and 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 in the meantime, you know, dissing you and the other kicking coaches, right? I'm like that. Yeah. I don't think I, I don't think that's a good thing to do. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, so here's the question: I think is uh, would be good for you if you had the attention of the whole. High school recruiting world for five minutes. What would you say to them? And like, and in my and in my experiences, this is really a global question for all coaches and all sports. I mean, soccer, baseball, basketball. I don't think it really matters. But let's say you had five minutes. What would you say to them? Sure. I mean, the the initial um, part of, of any athlete's journey is going to be, you know, what do you enjoy, right? What do you enjoy as an athlete? Um, and if, if you're playing a sport, you're not enjoying, um, and you're not, you don't want to go through that journey. Um, you're not doing, you're not in the right sport. You're not in the right, your focus is in the right area of life. So I think that it has to be driven by the athlete first. And if you enjoy something, then go for it. I mean, that's the first thing. So if you're enjoying kicking, um, and it's not pushed by your parents, then, you know, go for it. Um, and then ultimately you have to be coached properly. So, the first start, the first step in the process is to go out and to find great coaching, um, to be able to develop you as a player. Um, find someone that you connect with, um, find someone that you feel like makes you better, um, find someone that you feel like you can lean on as a mentor to ask questions, um, not just about the sport, but about, about anything that can help you on your journey. 
Um, but I feel like athletes who get a great coach while they're young and focus on development um, end up being the very best players because they're happy. Um, they're driven, um, like I said, by, the, by, by their own, by their own, uh, by their own goals, and then they have a coach that's helping them actually develop their game. So the first step always is as a young player is enjoy what you do, find a great coach that can help you develop, um, so that you're gonna you're gonna you really enjoy your experience along the way. Um, okay. And then you know as you get older and as you go through the process, um, you you obviously have to see coaches. Um, you have to go to camps that help you get exposure to the next level. And again, in, in our world, in the kicking world. Um, it's crucial because there is no kicking coach at in you know in college programs. Um, there right. are no there are no kicking coaches at the NFL level. Um, right in high school, you're not getting the attempts you need. So um, you have to, and that's why we do this. You have to go out and and go to camps that help you get the national exposure you need to to go to college. Um, and that's where kind of we come into play is, um, and our camps come into play. Excuse me, is you know getting. Um, the exposure necessary, but that's all part of the process. And that's all part of the experience. And, you know, ultimately we talked about when you come to a camp of ours, um, again, whether it's your best day, it's your worst day, you got better because you competed um, and you got better because you, you learned how to um, react after you missed, you learn how to react after you won, you learn how to, um, you know, uh, you know, just continue to get better and to watch other players in, in that experience. So, um, you know, camps are, are great for that, but you know, we, we always say it's, it's train, 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 go compete at a camp, train, 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 go compete at a camp. Um, don't just continue to compete at camps, but forget about the training aspect of it. And that's why we have coaches nationwide that help our players develop their game, you know, daily and weekly. Um, you know, and there's other great coaches out there as well across the country that, that help their, our players development. So it's enjoy it, um, find a great coach, develop your game. Um, get out there on the bigger camps, compete, um, and enjoy the experience along, along the way. Excellent. And, I, and again, I think that's a, that's a, that's a global issue, right? It, to your point, you know, have a, if you have private coaches you're working with or, you know, uh, local coaches you're working with, uh, you know, I know that you and I, when we work together, I, I try to always send you a profile of the kids that are coming to your camps, whether they're, whether that's good or bad or ugly, it, it just gives you at least, Hey, you know, at least this guy's working with coach Nolan and he's not showing up to, you know, crazy like um, yeah and on, on that point i mean I, I think that's a really good point because you know when i first started in, in this business i was i was young you know i was 22 years old i'm 46 now so you know it, it it's definitely a learning experience and, and at first there's ego involved when you run a camp you know you want guys mm -hmm. to stay with you you want guys to stay loyal you want guys to not go other places you don't want to talk to other kicking coaches you want it to be a rivalry um i'm not, I'm not even close to that anymore i i love working with guys like yourself mark and I love getting your, your knowledge on the player because we can work together to help that player. So if I have prior knowledge, all it does is help me kind of evaluate the player before I even see him. So, you know, talk, with talking to you um, and talking to other kicking coaches that are out there, um, what we're able to do is really build a full resume for these young men and working together because ultimately it's about helping them achieve their goals. And, and again, if that goal is getting into college, the more knowledge we have, the more I can give to a college coach, um, the better. So, you know, at Chris, they're kicking. It's not about rivalries with other with other camps. It really isn't. Um, we have enough business on our own, um, but it's about right. working with everyone that's out there, especially the private coaches, because the more information that we have that's accurate, um, the more we can help these players get it, get to the next level. Good. So, if you had a you know gigantic billboard anywhere 
and with anything on it, you know, metaphorically speaking, of course, I don't want to say Chris Hale or kicking is the greatest in the world or universe, but what, and getting your message to millions or even billions of folks. And when I say folks, I mean, you know, either the kids or the parents, what would it say and why? And I would love to hear your, your objective opinion from a dad standpoint, right. Of two former athletes. What would that billboard say to, let's say the parents out there? Yeah. I mean, like you mentioned, I have two sons that, that are currently playing college soccer. I have two that are still in high school right now that, that have the dream of, of doing the same. Um, I've been through, you know, so much with, with thousands of athletes um, co- in my coaching experience. Um, I understand the pressures of sport and, and obviously with social media, um, it just continues to grow. And we all know it's not going to get any easier. It's going to get more and more difficult because of the visibility. Um, to me, it's enjoy the experience. Um, okay. I, I couldn't say it any other way because I think that um, too many athletes put so much pressure on themselves or this pressure driven by the parents, right, um, yeah. to, to, to do all this work. And it becomes it becomes a job at a young age, you know, and I think that, you know, when we when we were younger, it was more about the fun because we didn't have these opportunities. Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah. it really is just to enjoy the experience. I might even see my own sons putting the pressure on themselves. And I say, guys, man, have fun enjoy it, you know, and enjoy what you're going through because it's not going to last forever. It's going to be over. Um, so even though, yes, you have goals, yes, you want to, um, you know, do great things in this sport, you know, you have to really enjoy every day and and enjoy the experience of what you're going through because you are going to look back at what you're doing and say, man, that was fun. I wish I could do it. I wish I could do it again. And I tell all my parents, I tell my, all my parents for every camp, I say, listen, I know you're here to, you know, to have your sons do well and you're you're anxious and you're nervous and you want to see them you know have success and 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 be the best out here today and most of them are going to go home in the car and be disappointed because they're not going to win you know if you have 100 kids at camp one kid goes home happy and 99 go home unhappy just continue to express to them that hey didn't did you have fun i mean did you have a good time today um you're gonna look back and we our parents say it all the time man we're in college now or or our son just you know you stop playing in college or whatever it may be I miss those days of going to camp with my son and, and getting up early in the morning and, and, you know, talking about, you know, what we're going to do and what you want to accomplish and, you know, meeting other players and, and meeting other parents. And, and man, it was just so much fun. I wish I can go back and do it all again. So for me, um, more than anything else, it's, it really is to enjoy the experience. No, you're, you're right. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll just uh, end that statement with, you know, when our son was, when Mark Christopher and I were heading down to uh, uh, Florida for an All-American game for uh, USC or something like that, the, matter of fact, he couldn't make your, uh, you couldn't make the announcement for him being the All-American because he was down at this other American game. And mm-hmm. on the drive down, he said to me, "You know, Dad, and now we have been going together uh, driving since you know, age four or five, right? Midget soccer and travel soccer, everything football." Right. He goes, "You know what, Dad? I'm going to miss these times." And I, I try to tell parents that. You know, you can make a decision after a match or after a game to have that discussion with your son or daughter in the car in the back seat when you're driving. You can either be the positive role model or you can be the negative role model. And Chris, I had a kid, I'll have to tell you this quick story. I had a kid three weeks ago. Great kid, great kid, great parents, great dad. We did 30 field goals, 30 uh, kicks, you know, 10, 10, and 10, 25, 30, 35. He was 27 for 30. The right. dad came done over and I said, Hey, how, what, what'd you think? He goes, well, you know, he missed those three. And <laughs> I'm like, see, that's the difference. Right. Instead of saying he made, he was awesome. He had 27 out of 30. The dad focused on the three he missed. 
And, you know, that's what I would one thing I would want to tell the parents is like, you know, dude, you got to breathe. You got to chill out. You got to take it easy. You know, it's just and you and I've seen that throughout the years, to your point, and probably you, you more so because of the of the big camps you run, you know, where they're where the parents are just I don't even call them helicopter parents anymore. I, I, I tell them they should be like drone parents. You should get in and get out. <laughs> Yeah. take off and go someplace else enjoy go get a six cup venti mocha stirred and and go read a book um so are there this is are there any quotes that you think about often or that you live by uh that you like to share with us or that you have with your staff yeah i mean what you just mentioned is so is so key and so important um you know before i even get into the quote but the the big thing there is like you said when you when you come to a camp or you or you have a you're in a game right you talked about if you focus on the three misses um i understand we all want to get better we all want to improve we all want to be perfect however it comes from preparation right so your performance is, is dictated by your preparation mm-hmm. and when it comes to like a camp or a game you can't really control you know or, or go back and and, and and change the misses you can't go back and change what you did to make it any better your performance was your performance so i think where a parent can encourage is in the preparation it's hey how, how often were you training to be here you know why did you miss the three kicks maybe it's because you chose to do this this and this other than really putting in the true work to to have a better performance right so i think yeah. that a parent a parent can always encourage um you know the preparation and you know and and definitely you know stay on your stay on your son or stay on your daughter to make sure they stay the course in their preparation. Um, but ultimately, when it comes down to a game, like I said, if you prepare properly and just have your best, it's okay. You know, hey, we, we worked hard and, and this was the result of it. Now let's go out there and let's work harder and let's see what your goals are to, to focus on, you know, for the, for the next time. But there's no reason to tear down a performance in a game or in a camp because to me, it's, it's already over, right? It's already over, but you can definitely work on you know like i said being being there for your son or your daughter as far as being behind them um and and helping them focus on their preparation i think that's that's the best that's the best thing best thing there is okay you Uh, know and you you tie that into a great point though chris you know it's um and it's really it's like how difficult can it be for the parent just to not be as and i don't want to nail the parents about being being negative but you know to your point when they're training and training and training how, how often do you, Chris, sometimes see a kid who gets all the accolades, you know, in a you know, big fish in a small pond scenario, and then they come out to a camp like yours at Vegas, and they don't do so well? And do they, do they really understand, or do you think they really understand the dynamics of them going from kicking in front of, you know, a couple hundred people in a high school stadium to now kicking in front of a couple thousand people and the dynamics of the high school coach may be saying, well, you know, he's got a big leg. He's great. He's going to get a scholarship. How often do you, do you, do you have those discussions with kids or, or do you even have those discussions with kids about where they're, where they are D one through D three? Yeah. I mean, the, the, basically what we're talking about more is a mental side of the game, right? So you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're having success at, at, a certain level or, or you do very well in, in you know small group atmospheres but then you put you know more pressure on them and they don't do quite as well um for me um if you know i always talk about you know it's all in preparation i really believe that um you know we're all obviously you know um we're all athletes we all you know feel mental pressure um however i think that the more prepared you are and the harder you truly work 
um, you're able to kind of overcome um, more often than not, you know, in, in those high pressure scenarios, situations. Um, and that's really where, you know, even at the D1 level, um, of course, you're going to have all of a sudden, you're going to have millions of eyes on you, you know, when you're on TV right. and you're playing in the biggest games. And um, if you truly believe in your preparation and the work you've put in, um, it is definitely it's easier to overcome. And again, nothing's perfect and there's nothing to say that, you know, we can't just mentally struggle. Um, but yeah, I've seen it many times where, you know, players just don't do well in big, big game situations. But a lot of that comes from the fact that they, they, they didn't truly prepare the right way. They kind of just rested on, you know, their overall maybe ability. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and as opposed to really, truly putting in the work and, you know, what we train and what we work on so hard is, is really muscle memory development. Um, okay. You know, so that, that the reality is, is that, you know, if you have muscle memory development, even when there's pressure, your body knows that technique and knows what to do. Of course, we're not perfect, but small things can help us still make kicks, even though they may not look as good as they want, always look. But that muscle memory development is key. And really, when you watch a pro, it's like clockwork, right? Routines, yeah, routine, hey. routines down. Everything's yeah. kind of in place. So even if there's pressure, muscle memory really does can take over when you're in that situation. So we really focus on building routine um, so you can get yourself focused on, on that particular kick. So whether you're out there by yourself, you know, you're in a high school game, you're in a college game kicking in front of Nick Saban, you're kicking in front of myself. If you can get yourself locked into a routine where you kind of get lost once you're kind of in your, in that, in that preparation for the kick. Um, and then you allow muscle memory to kind of take over um, throughout the kick. It's kind of like, whoa, you kind of blink and it's over. Right. I think that's kind of how Correct. most pros, that's how kind of most, most pros are able to kind of block out what's going on around them. So um, yeah, the mental side of it is really big. And again, that's why I talk about it camps. You know, we're really looking at, okay, all of a sudden he missed two kicks. How does he going to react? You know, we want to see how, how will he react to that? Is he going to start throwing things? Is he going to put his head down? Kind of go, go over in the corner and sit down with his parents? Um, because yep. those things definitely translate. You know, you can see that and you can say, hey, that's the mm -hmm. kind of guy I'm worried about a little bit if I put him, you know, in the Alabama program or in the Clemson program or, you know, Ohio State program. Um, and we try to get them to, I always tell them after camp, I say, listen, you were at a camp today. None of this counted right? This is a camp. You know, this wasn't a game, you know, there's no stats in the paper tomorrow. You know, social media is not all over you. This is reality. You're at a camp today. So again, you get experienced by this, but you have to learn to not react that way when things aren't going your way, because in bigger situations, when it does count, um, these are the sorts of things where we see, we see issues, we see problems. And, you know, when it happens too often at a higher level, the coach then at that point will no longer trust you. You know, they're not going to put you back out there anymore. That's tr very true, Chris. I mean, I, I, again, that's a globally in all sports. I mean, so, right. you know, this is a great lead into the question about failure, you know, so have you had it, have you had a failure in your life or an apparent failure that you believe set you up later for success? Uh, or do you have a favorite failure success yeah. story of yours? I do. I have a, I mean, I have a great one. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, I was two time all American as a junior, um, at UCLA, um, our team had won, uh, at that point in time, we had won um, after my junior year with 10 straight games at UCLA. Came into the season fairly highly ranked. Um, we went, we, we actually won our first 10 games that year. So we were on a 20 game win streak at UCLA and, and really in the hunt for a national championship, which, you know, is, 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 was, was huge for UCLA. You know, they're known as a basketball school and, and we really yeah. turned into a football school at that point in time. But during that journey, um, myself personally, um, heading into senior year, I was dealing with a major groin injury. Um, and in reality, looking back on it, probably should have, you know, 
shut it down. I probably shouldn't have played that year because I really went through a couple surgeries later in life and, and really put my groin into a really, really poor position where it probably affected me, the, the, the opportunity of having a pro career. But I played through it, um, and I, but I wasn't myself. And just to give you some stats, I mean, I started that year, um, I want to say something like 4 of 12 or 4 of 13. Um, and here I am, the All-American that's supposed to be the best player. But, like, you know, five. five They're a humbling were, experience, huh? Yeah, They're humbling. exactly. And, and, like, five were blocked. You know, I couldn't get the ball up as, as I usually could with a groin injury. But there was no one else to play. And they say, you're the All-American. you got to go out there and play. It's, it's your job. You know, we have no one else. We're winning games. Um, so, you know, I didn't even practice during the week. Um, you know, there's a lot of things going on. But one game in particular, it was a college game day. Uh, I was out there, game of the week, playing Oregon. Um, both undefeated at the time. I think we were five, six and zero. They were six and zero, and um, back and forth game up in the forties. Uh, we're 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 all tied up with about forty five seconds to play. Quarterback throws a hail mary down the field. Ball's caught on the on like the ten yard line. So I'm sprinting out to the field as the clock's going down with a twenty seven yarder, which you know for me should be as, as easy as it could be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ball snap kicked. You know, same thing dealing with my issues, and I pull it left. You know, so here we are in the biggest game. We're on TV, and I, I miss a game. I miss a game-winning 27-yard field goal after a miracle Hail Mary. And yeah. uh, co- coach comes to me and says, "Listen, you're going to do it again. We're going to overtime, so you know, stay positive." And um, you know, they start with the ball, and in, in, in overtime, we end up uh, picking it off. Ball comes back to us, and coach runs the ball. Just run, run, run. You know, we're not trying to score. We're putting it back in your, on your foot, Chris. And you know, I happen to make that kick. So, you know, here I am now with a game winner where, you know, 10 minutes earlier, I would have been the, uh, the all-time, I mean, the all-time, uh, um, you know, the all-time worst kicker in the history of UCLA. But here I am now, the hero Correct. of UCLA. And, I'm, and that's what I'm now known for is making that game winner when, when the reality is, is that, you know, both kicks weren't very good. I wasn't feeling very good. But, um, you know, from failure to be able to enjoy that success and, and really it kind of parallels kind of moving forward. Um, got healthy towards the end of the year, ended up making my last 12, 13 field goals. Um, you know, had a, had a great had a great finish to my career there, but was never the same with my injury. So here I am, an All-American, looking to go pro, um, and uh, just, you know, was never really able to rebound back to full strength because of what I put my body through. And, you know, I realized, hey, I'm not going pro anymore. You know, that's kind of my failure story is, you know, great season, um, you know, with the team, everything else was great. But uh, and I was going to be more of an arena league type kicker, more of a, a second league type kicker. And right. and because of that, you know, what happens? I, I start coaching, um, start my own business and I take all these experiences and coaches I met throughout my journey. And, and that kind of led to my career as a kicking coach and not a, not an actual professional kicker. So, um, you know, that's, hey, that's, you know, that's kind of how it goes. That's I mean, you know, Michael Jordan was a was a great basketball player. He even said he was a horrible coach. You know, and you had Phil Jackson you know, who was a mediocre basketball player. I think he averaged like 1.9 minutes a game, but he was a hard, he was an excellent coach because he would sit next to all the coaches and learn from them. Right. So his failure was like, Hey man, I'm going to sit on this bench, you know, for 50, you know, nine minutes and my, I might get in to scrub up a game, but I turned my failure of not being a great player into being coming a very good, you know, very good coach who won that, a lot of championships to your point. And, you know, helping young kids or helping mentor young men in basketball, just like just like you do and I do in uh, kicking. So yeah, back right, right, real quick though, because it's great. It actually parallels exactly that story. I t- I mean, I had a great leg that was a very strong, um, some of the highest touchbacks percentage in the in the history of NC two A when I was kicking, but you know my earlier years. And when mm. I when I went through the injury, I lost strength. 
So what did I have to do? I had to go in and I had to teach myself how to kick. I wasn't right. relying on my strength anymore. And that's really when I became my own coach was, hey, let me start to actually watch some film because I, I better mm. be accurate because my strength is gone. I don't have what I used to have. So I became a very accurate kicker through coaching myself, but it took the injury to be able to realize I had to do that. So the same thing, I became a great coach then. Um, and that's why I was a great arena league player because I stayed accurate. I was able to put the ball through the little, the little uprights, but it fully Perfect. changed, it fully changed what I had to do. And that's again, why I became a coach. Good. Excellent. You know, in, in the last five years, Chris, and pre and post COVID, you know, what new belief or behavior or like habit has, has improved your company and even more so, uh, what do you think the high school recruits will need to do moving forward, especially with the transfer portal? I mean, I, I say that because I'm not sure if Obi is going to be able to get into the college guys' heads as much as he does the high school kids sometimes, you know? But so what do you think about the whole transfer portal issue with, with moving post-COVID right now? Um, biggest thing, and I can, I could say, is, is, is patience. Um, mm -hmm. our high school players and families have to have patience because things have changed. Um, the COVID obviously put a big stall, um, on recruitment because we had, you know, a log jam in high and college because players were granted another year, um, right. were able to stay longer. Um, and now with the transfer portal, um, it's afforded players the ability to transfer, um, very easily. You know, we had to, in our day, we had to, what, you couldn't transfer within conference for a whole year. Two years in conference, right? Two years, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Two, two years was in conference and a whole year um, otherwise. I mean, now mm -hmm. it's kind of like floodgates are open. So you yeah. know, the reality is, is we, we basically have free agency now in college football. Um, and I would say our, our, our college players are like the free agents, the ones that want to transfer. And then we have our high school players are kind of like the rookie draft class. So, you know, yeah. they're all, all coaches now are going towards trying to find an experienced player they can bring in, they know it's done it at the college level, um, as opposed to going after whether they've done it in high school and been successful or not, they're still younger. Um, so therefore they're inexperienced in their mind because they haven't done it at the college level. So um, it's given college coaches an opportunity to really go out and like I said, pick up a free agent that's maybe done it at the D2 or three, D3 levels. Um, and because of that, 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 that log jam of COVID, because of the opportunity for players to transfer, um, the, the scholarship numbers just aren't there right now for high school players the way they used to be. Scholarship numbers mm. have gone down. So we have to be patient in, in, in looking at what opportunities are out there, um, understanding that, you know, we're probably going to have to work a bit harder to prove ourselves um, early on in college to get that scholarship and or maybe possibly go to, and I would never say this in the past, you know, go to a D2 or go to a D3 where you could pick up some good, good financial aid. Right. Prove you can do it there. And if you can prove you can do it there, you know, there is an opportunity to transfer up. There is an opportunity to be that free agent. Um, but in the same sense, if you go to a D2, D3 and you're, you're unable to perform, you still have to understand that this is, you know, still your, your college and where you're going to be for four years. But um, there is, there's just so many different types of opportunities out there. We have to be open to those opportunities. We have to be patient throughout it. Um, and, and really, um, it's not about proving yourself anymore, really, at the high school level. It's going to be about proving yourself at the college level to really earn that scholarship um, until things change moving forward, I think. Good. I mean, I had, I remember in the seventies we had, you know, we had the Jamaicans that came over and the Irish guys that came over and the Scottish guys that came over for soccer. Right. And, right. you know, a lot of the coaches back then were, would tell guys, Hey, look, you know what? Just go to a D three school, 
order with JUCO, hang out there for a, for a semester or two until next year's scholarship, and then I'll bring you in. I mean, it's kind of like the transfer portal in reverse. But you right. know, when I from my book, I interviewed about sixty different college coaches, all you know, different sports. And honestly, Chris, fifty eight of them, all anonymously, they came back. Uh, they they said I can't say their names in the book. But out of the, out of the 60, 58 came back, and I asked the question: Would you take a high school kid, or would you take a transfer portal kid? And the reason, Chris, they, I asked that question was, almost all of them said, "Hey, you know what? I'm looking at it too deep right now. I'm looking at winning. I'm looking at trying to get. I'm not really trying to build that program, which is a shame because you know, Chris, that was always our focus, right? Right. Let's get a kid where we can build him in for the next three or four years, have him come to our camps when he's off season, private training." Now they're saying, hey, it's all about the two deep. So who can make that impact right away? And who has the college grades? You know, we don't have to worry about little Johnny, you know, running home saying he misses mom and dad. I mean, that happens, right? And that's that's some of the transfer portal kids things are going on. Or they're just not they're just they're just not good enough when they get to college or or to the point maybe they got hurt. So your your point is very, very valid about I'll, I'm going to take probably a transfer portal kid than I would a high school kid, which is a shame, but that's the reality we live in, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, I again, we talked. I talk to college coaches every single day, and as you know, I mean, even the co- look at the coaching carousel. Job security oh, yeah. is tough. Job security is tough to come by. So mm-hmm. they're about, hey, if I don't get a guy that can do it right now, I'm losing my job. Right? That's right. So it's not about building this program. It's about saving my job and and maybe moving on to a better job, if anything else. But um, you know, and the, the difference again here being is that in the past they go in the portal. Okay, great. But he won't help me for a year. He's got to sit out. Correct. So I'm not going after him anymore. Now it's the exact opposite. Hey, I can go get him right now. I can get him at spring. I can get him in fall. I can, I can pull these guys anytime I want to into my yeah. program. So it just made it much simpler on their, uh, for them. So same, same thing. I mean, when I talk to a coach, first question always is who do we have in the portal? Who do you know that might be transferring? Who can we talk to um, about getting a guy in here that's going to make my job secure? Can I make my, like I said, my, <laughs> two, my, my two deep strong? Um, I don't want to have to work, wait, wait or try to develop a young player that I'm not quite sure of. So the conversation is fully flipped when it comes to um, the recruitment of specialists because of the portal. And like I said, and, and really, I think the COVID thing is starting to kind of ease its way out right now because we, we, it's been a yeah. couple of years, but there still is a yeah. log jam at the top. I and mean, there still are guys that are in their fifth and sixth years. Um, and then as you mentioned, another thing, guys coming in from, you know, in soccer from, from Ireland or coming in from other places in football, it's Australia, right? We have the Australia, Australian punters. Right. We have the Australian punters coming in. There's all these new, um, you know, these new developments where um, the world's becoming smaller. There's more opportunity um, for coaches to go out and find men, right? To find men to come in and, and to play the college level game um, as opposed to recruiting, you know, a young 17, 18, 19 year old um, to come right. in and do it. So it's become more difficult. Like I said, patience is the key. Um, and that's a reality, Chris, right? That's yeah. the reality. It's the reality of and it. So here's a question. I didn't mean to cut you off. You were going to finish something about the uh, either the Aussies or the transfer portal. Yeah. So again, it's just it's really an impatience, um, and that's why I said the key the key to the whole thing and going to going back to the start is it's, it's about training. It's about development. You know, become a great player. Don't just rely upon hey, I got a great leg and I'm going to go all these camps all the time, but not really develop my game. Because in the end, that's really not good enough, right? It's become more and more competitive. So if they if they focus and train from the beginning um, and, and develop the right way, you know, ultimately when the time comes, they're going to prove themselves very, very quickly. 
they're going to be ready for the opportunity earlier, right? It's not just, hey, I'm a developmental guy with a big leg. I'm a guy that's, that's you know, I have a strong leg, but I'm also very technically sound. So, you know, we right. really encourage the training at a young level, the development at a young level, and, and learning how to do things properly um, because your opportunity is going to come sooner. And, you know, I think um, when those types of players show up in front of college coaches, um, it, it's very, very visible. And I still think that there is, you know, every year a good 10 to 15 players like that at the kicking position and probably maybe another five or, or so at the punting position who are still going to get those scholarships initially coming out. It's just going to be, I think, for that that, that second tier, it's become a mm-hmm. lot harder um, as to where, you know, hey, I'm good enough, but there's this lacking or this lacking a little bit. Those guys just are going to have to wait their time and maybe be a preferred or go to a lower level right. where, you know, six, seven years ago, they, there was still opportunity for them to get a scholarship coming out because of the, of the way things have changed. Yeah, great, great point. That, that ties into, I think we have like two questions left. So what what would, what would you tell high school recruits, you know, when they get in the game of uh, reaching out to college coaches to develop the relationships between, you know, the athlete and coach? Because I think that is, and when I say the athlete and coach, um, I, I really mean the athlete and not the parents, you know. Yes. Uh, I mean, cl- clearly, clearly the reason why we have GAs, we have graduate assistants usually – involved in the the special teams early on or whatever it is is that you know they're 22 or 23 and they clearly can understand when you know mom and dad are writing a a, a twitter response yeah. you know with semicolons and uh, correct spelling right where you know little tommy the 17 year old kicker he's he he may not have the, the same english skills so how would you want to get those athletes to start to reach out to the coaches yeah so definitely athlete um, not parent, like you said. There's you know a handful of of uh, at, you know kickers and punters. It's or snappers. It's very obvious a parent's doing it. That's a a huge red flag. Um, and mm. coaches go past that very very quickly, and they'll be on to you. So you know, again, coach your coach your sons, coach them how to do it properly, but let that let them do it. So it's their relationship. Um, great, as far great, as great. as far as far as when um, you know again things are moving pretty quick these days. So you know, the, the gaining that knowledge and experience, even when they're young is important. So, you know, getting on social media, um, again, that's the main platform now when it comes to recruiting, especially Twitter, um, you know, is important starting to really show your resume more than anything else. So as a young player, you know, when you're a freshman or you're a sophomore, what you're really doing is you're gaining experience and you're building your resume. Although no coach at that current time is going to be, you know, in a full on relationship with you in the, in the recruiting relationship, um, they are starting to gather their information and they will look back on what you did put out there when you were younger. Um, so I wouldn't say it's necessary to necessarily, it's necessary to actually go out, maybe like be DMing every coach to be emailing every coach, to be calling every coach. Cause that's not going to be effective yet. Um, but what you want to do is you definitely want to post content. Um, you want to study up and, and watch older players on how they do it as their juniors and seniors when you're a freshman and sophomore. But I mean, the reality mm-hmm. is unless you really are, let's say a top, five or 10 national athlete um, as a freshman or sophomore, coaches aren't noticing. They're not caring yet. Correct. Um, They have to look at what's current. Like you said, they they need to win now. Um, Mm. So the the, the real time to do it really is as you kind of transition from your sophomore to junior year, um, that's the time that those coaches are going to start to build their recruit lists. Um, And I always say that, you know, when you reach out to them, they're not going to respond, but they're going to view it. And they're going to see the information. Um, so don't be, don't be discouraged. They're not responding to you. Understand that you're putting content out there and those DMs are being read. 
um, and they are being received. Um, those videos are being viewed, um, and what they're doing is they're building lists, but they're still playing hard to get. They're not gonna. They're not right. gonna. They're not gonna reach out to you um, early on again, unless you're just an absolute phenom. Um, so really, again, between sophomore and junior year, you want to start DM, DMing coaches, getting that information out there, um, and then expect to start getting responses really as you kind of finish up your junior year, right? And you're coming between that, that time period, between your junior and senior year, when they're going to want to get you into their camps to evaluate you as a possible recruit. Um, but right. don't, be, don't be discouraged by coaches not responding. Um, just understand that they, they are gathering that information. So early years, it's all about experience. Later years, we're building true relationships. And the biggest thing is, is that you have to reach out to coaches where you actually have the ability to attend that school. That's both, as an, that's both as an athlete and a student. If you're mm -hmm. lacking in one of the two, don't expect to get any response. And really, you are wasting your time. Um, reach, yeah. out to, reach out to schools and, and say, every athlete's going to reach out to Alabama. They've got millions of DMs. If you, aren't num if you aren't number one in the country, you're wasting your time because they are going to get number one guy in the country. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah. If, you, if you reach out to um, you know, Alabama State, um, as opposed to Alabama, Troy State, Alabama Troy State, State, Troy State, I mean, there's exactly. Al you know. And yeah. you know, I mean, there's so many. There's, as you know, you and I know, there's there's hundreds and hundreds of colleges that are out there. Um, you're going to start to get great response from lower level schools. Um, again, as you're a junior, you're going to get great response from those schools. So don't just go, you know, all, all about the big time. Um, if, if you are of that level, by all means, put put the content out there. But ultimately, reach out to the right, the, the correct schools. And you're going to see that the responses will come back and you're going to create some options for yourself. Great. Uh, so uh, now that we're in the summer camping weekends, you know, uh, how many camps would you think are best for each year of an athlete? And let's just focus maybe just on, you know, the junior and seniors, I guess, for right now, because, you know, as, to your point, a freshman showing up at Alabama, you know, Nick Saban's not going to come over and start talking to him. I, I doubt it unless he's the you know relative of somebody that went to Alabama and it's got a lot of money or a part of a, you know, one of the collectives or something like that. So how many would you suggest in the, you know, junior through senior year? Yeah. I mean, this is, I think one of the biggest mistakes by our, by our athletes and families is that you feel like you have to be every place. You have to feel like mm. every, every one of these camps here to hurt someone's feelings. Um, mm -hmm. if, if you are a, you know, rising senior, um, that's the time to attend these camps. So right now coming up here in June, that would be the class of 2024. Um, that's when the coaches care about, you they care about your performance they want to recruit you um so that's a time to to map out um a great uh a schedule for yourself to show what you can do to co for college coaches um unfortunately everybody whether they're three and a half star or five star is going to alabama clemson stanford <laughs> cal and they're and they're really you know 90 95 of those athletes are wasting their time because yeah. You have to be the best player at that camp to get the attention of that staff. Um, that's what those schools are looking for. Who are the best two to three players at this camp? Um, and if you, if you know you're a three-and-a-half-star guy, you're going to be over, over, outperformed by at least 50% of the athletes there. So really, you're just going to kick on their field. And take a picture yep. with you know in the uniform. That's it. Mantra. It's it. That's, that's, that's just uh, the pictures uh, in the uniforms, Chris. You're yeah, right. You got it and right. And that's not what we're looking for. So you know, if you are a high level athlete and you go into these D1 schools, or if you're you know a D2 or D3 athlete, 
your schedule should look um, for me like the following. Okay, again, financially, it has to be feasible for your family, but there has to be time between camps. So you have to be able to recover so that you can show at your best that day. Um, when it comes to college camps, you're only as good as your worst performance because every coach knows the other coach and they talk. So I get this mm -hmm. all the time. I'll have, let's say my number 10 ranked guy in the, in the country feels like he has to go to every camp in America because he's been invited to all of them. So he goes to one camp one day, drives five hours, next camp the next day, flies, next camp the next day, and he's doing five camps in seven days. All of a sudden, wow. one, of, one of those camps, you know, he, he's not very good. His leg's mm -hmm. tired. He didn't recover from the jet lag. Um, kicked really poorly. And all of a sudden, Coach A calls Coach B and says, hey, I had this player. He's really good. Coach B says, I had him too. He was horrible. And it leaves a, it leaves a, ba <laughs> it leaves a bad taste. And then yeah, both, coach, both coaches call me and say, hey, you, you told me this guy's good. He's, he was terrible while he was here. And no matter what I say at this point in time, there's already that bad taste. So although he did well at other camps, that one camp performance – Kind of puts that puts that uh, that negative, um, you know, that negative uh, you know, surroundings around him, um, and it hurts them. But if if they do it right and they say, okay, let's go to let's say five camps or six camps, let's go every third day or every fourth day. When we fly, let's take a day to to recuperate. To recuperate. Let's take right. a day to wind it back down. Let's take a day to get mentally refocused um, and focus more on maybe visiting the schools as opposed to performing at every single school. Um, and all of a sudden now you have five great performances and when coach a calls coach B and say, man, that guy was really good here. They, they all kind of want him. And then coach C says, wait a minute. He didn't even come to my camp, but he was really good at those two. I really want him now too. I'm jealous. Correct. Right? So you, you, you create almost like a jealousy factor of how Correct. great that player is, as opposed to being the guy that I was, I was telling him kind of like this, you're a guy, you want to go out and date 18 women. At some point, you're going to piss someone off, and it's going to piss them all off. <laughs> but if you, if, you, if you date three women and you're a great guy, yeah. every woman out there wants you, right? It's right. Kind of way, that's kind of right. the way Because they're going to talk. They're going to talk. Yeah. So, you know, don't, don't chase the camp. Pick the right ones. Um, take your time between camps so that you're on your game when you're there. And, again, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't waste all of your parents' savings and, and their futures on the fact that you're trying to, you know, get to 74 camps because, I've, I've, trust me, um, I've never seen it work out, and, and every year we have this talk, and we, we talk about this with our parents at every camp, and they all come back and say, man, we should have listened. We made, we made the exact mistake you didn't make. We, we shouldn't have made, and, and man, what a waste. What a waste of time. So, And, and, and money. I mean, you, you, yeah, you know who I'm, you, you know I'm going to say. I'm not going to mention the guy's name or the kid's name, but you know, we had, it was a kid that I trained that you knew uh, that he went to 17 camps. Oh, my gosh, yeah. In, I know. in yeah. three and a half weeks. A couple exactly. years ago, right? Yeah. And and all the kids that we hung around with were saying, "Hey, it looks like you're on your world tour." Right. I mean, and and he got no offers. Yeah. And he up, I think he's. I think he had. The, he, he ended up quitting for a year. That I think he finally walked on. Uh, you know, at a school. But can imagine? I I figured it out. He spent about twenty one thousand dollars. That's unbelievable. Just doing that, right? Just trying to get all those coaches. And to me, Chris, I think. I think the coaches that your point are saying, hey, man, this, this guy's all over the place. He has right. no idea where he wants to go. He just wants to go to a camp and perform well and get pictures taken. Right. So, uh, you know, to you, but great answer. Thank you very much. So uh, lastly, Chris, what can, what can people expect from you and your company 
let's say next in the next 18 to 24 months is obi going to get crazier on his <laughs> on his cattle calls during the during the game or you know are you looking at doing something uh, different i mean you know with your top 12 and all those kind of things there's anything on the horizon that we should expect from you yeah, well, one thing I hope you can expect is consistency. You get the loudest guy out there, and, <laughs> and uh, he, de- he, he, he definitely he definitely creates some atmosphere. And as you know, as you know, ninety percent of the parents and kids love him, and ten percent hate him. So um, those ten percent better get used to it, right? Uh, right, right, exactly. Uh, we're always trying to change a little bit in what we do, and and you know, ultimately, I think we're trying to simplify the process for our parents. Um, I think less is more sometimes. And again, I'm trying to get back to, Hey, train with the local coach, whether it be a CSK staff member or, or a different coach you believe in. Um, and then, you know, you know, see us, you know, let's say, you know, two to three times a year when we're there locally and perhaps at a big national event. Um, so that when you come, you're ready, you know, we don't, we don't need to see you eight times a year because you're not going to improve in three weeks. Right. Um, but, you know, focus on your training moving forward. And um, of course we've got, we've got major camps coming up. Um, you know, we're partners with, um, with the All-American Bowl on on NBC, the Adidas All-American right. game, we're partners mm-hmm. with uh, the Polynesian Bowl, which is a it was a very quick, great, uh, growing game. It's now one of the big three um, that's played in Hawaii. It's an all-expenses-paid trip out to Hawaii, the Polynesian Bowl. So we'll select for them as well again coming up this year. Um, but as we kind of wrap up um, our regional camps here in spring, uh, Vegas is our our, our next, next large national event, which is May sixth and seventh, which brings together all of our our kind of national talent. Um, and then in the summertime, really, we all, we're only wanting three camps. Um, we, we understand that the kids are going to be visiting colleges. We wanted to focus on that, um, again, in the right way, like we, like we discussed. Um, but then we want to see them either at uh, – our, our, our seniors will kind of be divided. Uh, we'll either see them at Top Gun um, in Naples, Florida, on the, the 7th and 8th of July, which is where we'll select the All-Americans for the All-America Bowl, uh, the Adidas game, um, or we'll see them at a rising seniors camp which is the next week in July 15th, 16th, which is out here on the West Coast in Los Angeles. Um, and then we have our underclassmen invitational, which is basically for the class of 2025 or younger. Um, again, much more about education, much more about coaching um, and, of course, competition. But, you know, ultimately putting um, like-minded parents, uh, like-minded athletes together at a younger age to kind of, again, focus on the development and education which is also July 15th, 16th out here in Los Angeles, California. Um, and then moving forward, we've got a few new ideas, uh, got a few new wrinkles coming in. Uh, we're always trying to keep things fresh and keep things exciting for our athletes and, um, you know, create create new uh, sorts of camps that, that, that make it fun for them. So um, we're excited moving forward and, and um, you know, we've got- And you're recently married, so congratulations on your, on your, new, uh, on your new bride. So uh, moving forward, I'm sure that's going to be exciting for you. Yeah, I appreciate that. No, yeah, we got got married here in, in um, uh, last month, and um, been, been together for, for for almost a decade now. So um, wow, we have we have six children together. So we're uh, we're extremely busy and enjoying every day of it. <laughs> okay, so what, where can people go, Chris, to learn more about your company? I know what it is, but you know, to your listeners, to our listeners, where can people go to learn more about Chris Saylor? You got it. Well, we're, all, we're on all social media platforms. If you just search my name, Chris Saylor, or Chris Saylor Kicking. Uh, Sailor spelled with an E. That's one thing that people make a mistake on. Um, and then the website, of course, which is uh, chrissailorkicking.com. Um, but we're we're easily, you know, you can find us real easily on the internet. And, and again, we're we've got a pretty dominant um, presence on on uh, on Twitter and and uh, Instagram as well as you know Facebook and Snapchat. I mean, you name it. I mean, we're out there. So uh, pretty easy to find on the internet. 
Good. And I'm going to, and I'll post this once I send it to you, I'll post uh, the podcast on to, uh, uh, to our, uh, to my Twitter page as well. And some of my other social media. So hopefully once you like it, uh, you'll be able to post to your, your listeners as well. And so what's, what's the one final thought you want to leave us with uh, today, Chris? You know, just with everything changing, everything, you know, in this world changing uh, when it comes to, you know, recruitment and social media. And like I said, it's not going to be getting any easier. It's just, you know, kind of a kind of, kind of coming back to the, the whole thing we spoke about here is, is really just to enjoy the experience. You know, I'm 46 years old now. I uh, went through as an athlete. I've been through it as a young coach. Um, now I'm kind of turning, turning that, turning to a new point of, of, of my life. And just looking back, it's just like, man, you know, I, I've had so much fun with what I've done. And, and you know, just, I look for, for all our athletes to be able to have similar experiences to, to, what, I, to what, I've, what I've gone through. Um, so, you know, enjoy what you're doing, enjoy what you're doing, make great friends in, in this, in, as, you, as you go through it. Um, and, and again, you're going to look back and, and be proud of what you did. Great. All right. Well, Chris, th- thanks for joining us today and spending about an hour with us. It's, a, it's been an awesome experience. And, uh, you know, once again, in closing, thanks for listening to, uh, to our, uh, don't outkick your coverage and please share this podcast uh, and, and just one of your friends, if you don't mind. And, get those five star likes out there ratings. Uh, and uh, I'm signing off for now. And this is uh, coach Mark Nolan. And once again, Chris Saylor, thank you very much for, uh, for joining our podcast. Thank you, Mark. Great job. All right. God bless. Take care. Bye-bye.